and welcome to Secrets of Accounting Excellence, brought to you by Accounting Web. In this mini pod series, we'll be exploring some of those strategies and key trends behind the Accounting Excellence award-winning firms. And if you're inspired by any of the lessons in this series, go to accountingexcellence.co.uk and enter the awards. The 2023 deadline is fast approaching, so get the recognition you deserve and submit your entries for the awards program for 2023. This week, we're looking at process and efficiency. So what are firms doing to strive for continuous improvement? What tools have they implemented in their firm to become more productive? And how have those 1% gains inspired the people in their organization? Joining me to discuss all of this is Accounting Web Editor-at-Large, John Stockdyke. Howdy, Richard. It's uh, great to be here with you again. And, uh, you know, we're talking over some of our favorite topics once again. Excellent. And later in the program, we will be joined by 2022 Medium Firm of the Year award winner, Blue Sky Chartered Accountants, to find out some of those process and efficiency strategies that they've implemented in the firm, which, of course, led to their big award win last year. So stay tuned for that so you'll be able to pick up some real top tips there. But John, let's first take a look at just how process efficiency has become such an important pillar in the Accounting Excellence Award entries and for some of those award-winning firms, how they've really strived by having a real strong strategy around this. So when we talk about process and workflow, in my mind, what we're really talking about is that pursuit for constant improvement. So how prevalent is this when we're looking at the traits of Accounting Excellence Award entries? Well, it's pretty pretty easy, really. You just go to those winning entries. Uh, you know, we've seen a few. And um, uh, it's you know so, some of these lines just emerge over and over and over again. Uh, you know, I, you and I have both been talking to people like uh, Sean Kelly at Inform Accounting, uh, Sanjay Saar at Makesworth, and uh, Blue Sky, and they all kind of come up with this line. They're always saying, you know, the thing we do, we're always looking to improve our processes in various ways, and and they're always talking to their staff. They're looking for issues, and when they spot an issue, you know something's not quite right about the this client service. They go straight in and try and diagnose it. And and you know if if it's a sort of recurring problem, you know there's a weak spot, and they're going to go in and fix it. And sometimes it is procedural. You know there there's there's something's inefficient that that's slowing down the responses. Of course, uh, Sean Kelly was was telling me that in an article just about to be published that a lot of times it also comes back down to training. So, you know, the people, the the processes and the technology and stuff they they don't work unless you you kind of have your people on the ball and train them to use it effectively. So, so I mean, those the, it is the characteristic that probably marks out the winners almost beyond any other, but making sure the people side is you know the people understand what they're expected to do and they bought into it to, to what you want to achieve people has become such an important part of just those award-winning firms but when it comes to process and efficiency though john what kind of role has that mtd effect played <laughs> over the past couple of years in kind of changing the way that firms have approached um, constant improvement within their firms Oh, I mean, well, you know, we we know straight off from the bat it it moved a lot of cloud accounting software, followed in short step lockstep where there was a lot of data capture uh, tools. You know, Dext and Auto Entry did very well out of that period. Um, pl- plus the practice management. So, you know, we could we could see these these trends 
just ratcheting up amongst the you know the entries every year um and you know so really that that it was all it, it was all about the sort of the core bookkeeping and accounting workflows and processes in the firm you know could to what extent could firms automate it because they were going to have to do that you know on you know base step get get digital books from clients but then once you've got that the door open to so much more and and we really did see i think the 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 huge increase in automated bookkeeping and automated bookkeeping services for clients the sort of bringing the client work in-house has been a a massive trend so you know thanks mtd for that um again what we did see when the last delay i remember i think it was 2000 um 18, 17 18 was announced you know if you don't keep keep your foot on the metal you know the, the practitioners will sort of even even the entrance to our wards will sort of loosen up so so maybe the you know i think i think the emphasis has been on on the internal mechanics and workflows and so i'm interested i think we might might i've said before in the, the last podcast in this series you know i think we might see the blossoming of innovation in a lot of other little corners now there's, there's a bit more freedom to 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 experiment out on the front in in other areas rather than in the engine room because it does feel like certainly around process and efficiency that many of those firms are looking for the, those gaps within their firms gaps which they can improve that they can feel that they can diagnose a problem which you need to build on and that distraction of mtd has certainly kind of diverted attention away from other areas of the firm so i certainly would be interested to see whether innovation will happen and firms will be looking to improve other parts of the firm you said people a moment ago john um is this has been kind of a big trend which we've seen that firms look to improve and to, to make it more efficient to make sure everything is working properly. I think it was uh, Maslin's that once said, happy people, happy clients, or yep. I'm paraphrasing now. I'm sure it wasn't that quote. And happy clients equals growth and, and, and growth and profitability. Yep. So it all, all connects. I think having, working, making sure that your people are well trained and have the skills that they need is such an important part in just making the firm just be more efficient yeah but, but and, and particularly at the moment i mean that's that's a common common you know the, the the lack of skills and the difficulty of recruiting good quality people and retaining the ones you've got is number one worry for more than half of last year's entrance and it's just it's not gone away it's got worse since last year but that that's where the processes and the technology come in though too because if, if you put good systems and good tech and, and you know just give really well-honed, well-designed tools that people, maybe you actually got your team to help you devise and design and implement. So they, they really like, you know, understand what they meant to do and kind of feel some ownership that actually allows you to take care of more in the same number of people to handle more clients and you can grow that way. So process and efficiency kind of when, when people are in, in short supply, it, it expands their productivity and, 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 that's that's how firms you know are able to grow so yeah i'd expect to see evidence of that i think in this year's awards you know don't, don't know what exactly what forms it will take but uh, i've seen a few clues nose through a few early entries and seen some interesting hints we've sort of um said a few there john but any kind of other areas which you're expecting 
to advance in terms of productivity in this year's entrance? Anything else, maybe something coming from the way firms use in tech or even how they're engaging clients? Well, exactly. And I think we I think we sort of picked this up on when we talked specific about the client, you know, what client service looked like, you know, that theme of the, 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 the first podcast in this series. Um, I'm anticipating and I think I am seeing, again, my early samples that the client experience communicating with clients, the, the, those processes are definitely getting some attention, getting some investment. I mean, yeah, I said this point before is that there was a lot of comms work went on with clients and you know, sending them emails to support them, you know, notify them of, of particular you know, deadlines or requirements for the um, the furlough schemes and, and the bank and the bibbles and sibbles. So they were sort of forced to communicate and to, and to have met much more contact and be in touch with clients more. Again, system, maybe systemizing that, investing in areas, uh, so, so communication tools that maybe allow them to, to range across the social media, the email, the telephone contacts, notes. Because again, to use that lovely marketing phrase, it's, it's a kind of omni-channel world. Mm. But I, you know, if I, I find it impossible to keep on my LinkedIn and my Twitter and my email <laughs> and my mobile messaging. It's a nightmare. So tools and, and techniques to keep in touch with everyone anything the, the improvements i guess firms realize that, that they might have improved their mechanical processing of accounting data and it's what can they how can they enhance the customer experience and will the tools allow them to do that so i think there's a lot of innovations there and analytics i mean the the, the one thing again that sets the real characteristic that sets up apart the really good firms is they pay a huge amount of attention to client feedback and will do the surveys asking them what they you know will they recommend the firm um, and the really good firms they they look at that they collect the data whether it's a complaint and you go in and you find out what the source of it is or you look at the data from what people think about different parts of your service and your responsiveness and they'll analyze the data so analytics and and using the data using the data they've got from clients and on clients to identify where improvements need to be made or what kind of improvements uh that that client survey trend was has already stood out from the just just a handful of entries i've looked at everybody's surveying clients now but already also the clever ones are coming up with new services that that you know they've taken the feedback and see that there's a need for maybe monthly reporting packs like pink pig uh, offered I, I mentioned that last year so that's an area i'm definitely I mean, and I'm, I'm the judge of the client service segment so you know i'll be looking for it there but uh, service innovations using you know, making you don't just get the data doing something use productive with it that's 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 a fascinating area for exploration when i approach this topic I was trying to work out kind of the mechanics of it, trying to know what's the motivation for this kind of drive for constant improvement. And for me, all the roads just keep coming back to that client experience. It all just keeps coming back to how can we serve the client better? How can we be more productive to serve the client better? What kind of technology can we bring in to make the whole process, maybe even the onboarding process, more smooth to ensure the client feels that they're in good hands? Do you think that'd be fair to say, John, in terms of, the overall strategy that firms have? I think so. I mean, you know, the, the, the innovators are just, just the really good accountants. Um, kind of, and I, th I think I've read people like Ainsley Damery in the past uh, sort of use their firms as, as laboratories for experiment, you know, because, yes, you, you have to sort of 
conduct an experiment, you know, you maybe have some data, you need to test the data, conduct a service, you know, build a sort of prototype delivery mechanism or a prototype service and try it out on a few sympathetic clients, um, you know, just see if it actually works. That, that That's a, a fascinating, you know, and, and picking out, you know, if, well, if I, if I make this enhancement here in in how we communicate with clients, you know, does that lessen the friction that I'm seeing at the turnaround times that they're complaining to me about? You know, so if we chase the data from them earlier and and in more subtle ways that they they comply more more obediently with without realizing that they're being you know being dragooned into do what the firm wants them to. You know, can can you can you manage them this way? So so applying those experiments. And then acting, you know, the ones that don't work, you you dispense with, and the ones that show promise, you refine, retest, and and redeliver. You know, I I think you're right. The, the seeing people operate operate that on that kind of experimental basis is is sort of structured innovation in a way, and, and it is in response to data and feedback. So, uh, and and I think I think what's interesting, it's it's small firms we've talked about it's a lot easier to just base things around being a really wonderful human being and great great at relating to your clients and understanding them and their problems fine if you've got that that ability and intuition you know you're away it's a great first start but it's it's the mid-sized firms and the larger firms who who uh, who i find really interesting because you know they will have to you know, operate. It's it's a more industrial scale. Um, the you know, it's a more hardwired. You know, or not hard, even hardwired. It's more sort of, you know, nuts and bolts and cogs and things. Because you know, you can't overhaul a a large practice with a large or a medium large practice with people in place and and people are used to working a certain way for a long time. So the way they go about implementing change and improving service quality or improving turnaround times on jobs or or you know whatever whatever area of improvement they've identified that's that's a, a, that fascinates me i mean i think we've got blue sky coming up and and your interview with them was fascinating about the way you know they they picked out areas they ju- just could identify incremental gains and work to them so i'm really hoping that uh, nathan will tell us a little bit more about his approach well after this short break, we will, of course, be joined by Nathan Embleton from Blue Sky Chartered Accountants, who, as John said, will be telling us all about their firm's strategy when it comes to constant improvement and making uh, the firm as efficient as it can be. So a real fascinating case study. So please join us after this short break. There is still time to enter the Accountant Excellence Awards, but the deadline for entries is fast approaching. Now in our 17th year, we are proud to provide a platform to celebrate those individuals, teams and firms that truly embody accounting excellence. Why don't you start your Accountant Excellence journey today? They are free to enter and there are 21 categories to choose from. Go on, tell your profession why your story is a winning one. Head to accountantexcellence.co.uk to enter.
Welcome back. I am delighted to say that myself and John are now joined by Nathan Embleton, the Client Relationship Director at Blue Sky Chartered Accountants, who are, of course, were the winners of the 2022 Medium-Sized Firm of the Year Award at last year's Accountant Excellence. Hello, Nathan. Hi, guys. Thank you very much uh, for having us on. And yeah, thank you very much for the award. We were all really happy to win that. It's an excellent young team that we've got at, at Blue Sky. Um, and it certainly was a team effort. Um, so all the team were absolutely buzzing um, when that came through and we got that award. Well, a big congratulations, Nathan. A big congratulations to everyone there at Blue Sky. We'd really be fascinated to find out some of the secrets behind that success, how you managed to uh, delight the judges there. To kick things off, though, I'd be fascinated to learn about the strategy at Blue Sky, just that strategy of how you're able to continuously strive for improvement. What kind of pillars have you got in place to make sure that Blue Sky kind of every day starts with that mindset of trying to be a little bit better than it was the day before? Yeah, it's a good question to start off with. Ultimately, I think the um, the feeling across the whole team at Blue Sky is we, we don't really want to get too comfortable at, at any period throughout the year. We really want to be at the forefront um, of the accountancy profession, and it's very much ingrained within the team that we need to stay at that forefront. Um, so you, you sort of mentioned the pillars there. So we are split in three main pillars within the business. We've got a client pillar, a team pillar, and a growth pillar. So the client pillar very much focuses on the systems that we have in place, the processes um, and the products and services that we are currently delivering. Um, and that's a really, really important part of the business. And, you know, certainly part of that strategy is constantly speaking to clients and getting feedback about what they want, what their needs and desires are, um, and basically how we can help them and add value to their business. Mirroring them, we've then got the the team pillar. So, you know, we, we take the feedback from the clients. We know what we need to deliver. It's the team's pillar's responsibility to then build and train up a team that can then deliver that for the clients that we are then servicing. And the growth pillar sort of marries these um, these two up together, and that's very much looking to the future. Um, you know, what is our future client going to look like? What are the services and products they're going to want? What are they going to look like? And then ultimately, you know, what's the team going to look like that's going to deliver this? Alongside then, you know, where can we automate? What softwares can come in? Because it's not always just the uh, the answer just to add more add more bums on seats, as it were. Nathan, could I just jump in here? We were talking about this about the sort of areas of innovation that we might see this year and, and client survey and client feedback is one of them. How do you go about, how do you sort of collect, manage and then act on that data? You know, do you have formal mechanisms that you actually use to do that? Yes, we do. It, it's very much a mix of formal and informal. So the, the formal mechanism would be um, CNPS. So that's a very structured sort of questionnaire format that, that goes out to clients that allows us to get with finger on the pulse and actually have a, a measurable score to track. If I'm honest, though, a lot of the good feedback really does come on them in formal chats, you know, where, where the client probably feels a little bit more open and honest. And that's why we spend so much time trying to get as much face-to-face time in with clients that isn't just about the, the deliverable aspect of the work that we do. You know, we, we like to have a bit of value add. We like to add insights. We like to get to know our clients as an individual, as a person, not, not just as the business. So we always, always make sure we ask for feedback when we're in, um, when we're in meetings with clients. And and do you note down and do you note down and collect 
the observations from him in a way that you know gives you will eventually tip you off that there is a, a need for a service in one area or that something's been dragging that you you might want to address. Yeah, so the the leadership team get together once a week, um, and one of the agenda items on that meeting is is client feedback for the week. Also, alongside that is employee feedback from the week. So we'll basically digest anything that comes in, um, and we'll see if there is any patterns or trends. Um, more often than not, we think every bit of feedback's quite important. So it's rare that something will come in and not be um, actioned with one of the pillars. Um, so yeah, that, it's pretty much on a on a weekly basis we'll address that. And these uh, informal conversations you have with clients, Nathan, is that just a case that you're you're setting up these calls just to talk about the relationship beyond the compliance, beyond what what you the the day to day stuff? Is it just is is that how it works, or is these conversations done as well as the um, the day to day stuff? Yeah, it's a good question. We obviously like to report on on the day to day stuff because you know ultimately, as much as we'd like to maybe have an idea that compliance work will be dead fairly soon and all automated, um, it's still got quite an important part of the the process in the client relationship to date. Um, we do like to have systems in place though that can try and get through that as quickly as efficiently as possible so then we can open up more time um with the clients to talk about the more interesting sort of forward looking aspects of the work that we might do with them um i think it's that old cliche of you you don't get very far driving when you when you're looking in the rearview mirror you sort of need to be looking forwards so that's where we've probably tried to automate the majority of the as we would probably put it, day-to-day aspects of the job, um, so we can spend more time with clients, um, you know, looking forward and, and having those more deeper conversations. I, I guess I'll put it. Um, it struck me one of the quotes which um, the uh, John Dudgeon, the CEO of Blue Sky, said when I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, was that the ethos of the firm is looking for those one percent changes and the small amounts of automation that you can then put in place. Could you talk to me about some examples about how that, that about those 1% changes that, that you've put in place at Blue Sky, kind of whether that's you've refined processes around your people or in technology, what's some of those examples? Yeah, um, so we, we do go in with that outlook. So sort of going back into you know, those weekly meetings we have with the leadership team, like every bit of feedback is taken on. And, and like John's alluded to, if it can make a 1% difference. So I think we got that analogy from, if we looked at the, the business as a whole, as a sort of a Formula One team, you know, there's like pit stops and it's like, if they can shave like half a second off, off that pit stop, then it's progress and it can make a big mm. difference in the long run. So pretty much any bit of feedback that might come in from the team, and this is probably going back towards you know that that strategy and how do we get buy-in from from everyone within the team every single member of the blue sky team is in in part of one of those three pillars and every single member of the team um is involved in designing the objectives and key results um for those three pillars for every quarter of of our financial year um so that's where i think we've got that ethos of sort of continuous improvement um, in terms of real life examples, probably too many to pick out really, but there's a lot of really good ones where it might just even be like a simple process of, um, you know, how are we, how are we requesting um, or going through queries on the bookkeeping process? Um, so 
when you're looking at efficiency and tracking things as probably as much mm. as we do, it's very easy, I guess, to get stuck behind the stats. Um, and what we really, really don't want to do is sort of look at the clients as a stat. It's important that we have empathy with them and we, we really connect with the individual behind that. Um, so, you know, maybe a good 1% example that we've had through quite recently was actually trying to really understand and have empathy with the client about when we actually try and speak to them. Um, so it's all fine and well, you know, if we said one of our team did bookkeeping in the morning and the client's going to get an email at lunchtime um, saying, look, we can't reconcile these items in your bank rec. Can we please get this information? At no point have we actually had a chat with the client and said, is lunchtime on a Monday a good time for us to be requesting this? Um, when are you actually sitting in front of your laptop um, and catching up on all your emails and all your admin? Um, so that then led to an implementation that we will start speaking to all of our clients and then logging when is the best time for them to get their queries through on bookkeeping to sort of maximize the response that we will then get and the timeliness of the response. So that's probably a good recent example, I guess, of, you know, quite a relatively little change on the face of things, but makes an absolutely noticeable improvement in terms of our turnaround time um, on bookkeeping. Are there any things that you're sort of prioritizing areas for, because you're the, the client relationship director, anything you're looking to focus on, you know, the next few months this year, you know, are there little pockets of experience or, or process that you, you think you might be able to enhance? Um, yeah, so we're currently looking at how we actually deliver um, our management information um, at the moment. So we do appreciate that clients are inundated with data and us just sort of sending them data is just more data for them to not understand. So ideally, we'd sometimes like to couple that with a meeting with the client that we spoke about. But we we also appreciate that that's maybe not efficient for a client to spend a full meeting a month with their accountant running through um, the numbers. Um, so we're now currently looking at different ways to deliver the management information. So it's, it's going to be a video or accompaniment with either one of the client relationship directors or the cloud accountant team um, running through and explaining that to the client. And again, I, I think that's going to make us a lot more efficient as a firm because it's going to be a much punchier way to get that deliverable to the to the client in a way that they understand. Nathan, before you joined us, myself, uh, myself and John were talking about some of the important ways that firms can be productive. And it seems like we kept coming back to people, just having your people engaged, motivated is such an important part in, in, in just them being productive and through that more efficient and through that, that then um, passes on to the client experience. So talk to us about how you're able to uh, make the people in your organizations productive. What ways can you make them have this kind of growth mindset, which obviously is, is really apparent within the firm? Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you're sort of touching on there. So like we don't really believe in timesheets at Blue Sky. So, you know, if we're looking at that utilization, productivity, any sort of KPIs around that, that that's certainly not on, on any of the dashboards that we look at internally. So it's very, very important that we, you know, we understand all of the other optics of everything, you know, the unit economics of everything else that we do. Um, and a big part of that is, yeah, the, the full team sort of buying into that, um, making sure they're trying to, to find efficiencies wherever they can 
sort of working as efficiently as possible as they can. Um, and it is that sort of mindset um, that you've alluded to. So we're, we're quite big on probing those areas, I'll say, when, we, when we're going through recruitment. And we're very big on maintaining um, the high levels that our team shows once they come in and start working for Blue Sky. So we'll do a lot of work. So this is sort of in the, the team pillar. But we constantly ask people about um, you know, workplace preferences, fulfillment, um, and we've got quite a few sort of testing methods um, that, that we use externally that can help us regularly track and sort of report um, on where people are currently at in terms of the career, in terms of what their um, future goals are, um, what the work style preferences are like, what the communication preferences are like, um, and then ultimately what their fulfillment at work is. And this then goes into the sort of mentoring and performance review um, work that we do to make sure that we, we're trying to maximize each employee's fulfillment and that they're ultimately then sort of buying into the ethos of the firm. Um, so we have a lot of touch points throughout the year to basically check up on people and how they're doing. And if there's any elements of the job that they're particularly feeling frustrated with or not quite in sync with, you know, maybe other members of the team, for instance, on a communication preference level um, we work together on that as a team to make sure that everyone's sort of um, bought in and we're all working as one sort of uh, efficient and happy um, team it does sound like it's just making sure everyone has a voice and that voice is being listened to it's just quite a, a simple way just to make sure everyone feels productive yeah so we we're really big on that at blue sky um, i mean the, if you look at our sort of team structure we're very very conscious of not having a, a hierarchical sort of traditional structure within the team so we actually work along in a, a matrix um structure which i'm not going into too much detail on because we, we probably will be here for most of the day <laughs> um but yeah everyone has a voice uh, everyone's listened to um and everyone inputs into the sort of decision making and future, stra future strategy of the firm so yeah it, it really makes a sort of nice place to work and when everyone's sort of um singing from the same hymn sheet as it were that's where the sort of efficiencies really come out you know in, in terms of you know how do, how do we measure how efficient our sort of firm is if we don't do timesheets for instance well you know we, we do track cnps we do track enps um and you know if we've got happy clients and happy staff you'll probably more often than not like everything else will sort of look after itself in its way. That's not to mean we aren't diligent across um, sort of our overheads and things like that in the firm. But yeah, we we do think if those two sort of key measurements um, hit the targets we want to, then we're sort of going about running the firm the way we do. And, you know, it then has a, a knock-on effect to the uh, the rest of the metrics that we that we measure. Really intrigued about your, your approach to tech as well. I, I know you talked to me about kind of that, that how the uh, the tech engine of the of the firm can then breed more productivity around the uh, organization um yeah so we i mean we we have a, an app advisory team um we have particular data analytics roles um within the firm now from what we hear and that's quite common among accountancy firms these days but it's there pretty much so focused to you know, analyze the data that's coming through and go out and research any new areas of tech that might might be useful to us and our clients. So, you know, we've got a ton of data and a ton of metrics that we, we can track over our more sort of standardized services that we'll, we'll sort of call them. Um, you know, that, that's the, 
the, the compliance work that you know is a very set framework and it's um it doesn't really leave much room for maneuver where we find probably the most enjoyable or, or where we can really do our best work um, is in their more niche areas of work that we can do with clients it's part of the reason i sort of love working with blue sky and the clients that we work with to be honest so you know when, when you've got a young business coming in that needs advice you know we haven't got a hundred years of, of legacy systems that's sort of tying our hands and it's a bunch of red tape and we can't really do much it's it's almost we've got this blank canvas of a platform where we can you know really do a lot of brilliant work with clients in terms of of automation and you know i probably make this quite clear that we would never treat a client as a canary down the mine as it were in terms of testing out a, a new piece of tech or a new piece of software with them anything that we roll out internally as a service or product offering or, or part of our app stack we'll quite rigidly test we'll make sure that you know the, the tech itself is a going concern and it's not going to drop off in a, a month or two um, and it's something that will sustainably add value to our clients what we get on the reverse side though because we work with a lot of sort of ambitious forward-thinking innovative clients um, they will have done a lot of research in terms of some interesting tech input or softwares they might want to use um, and they'll ask for our assistance to help them out with that at which point we will absolutely say yes please we're more than happy um, to help you implement this um, design it and maintain it and quite often than not when we've had a few success stories across the client base of something they might have brought to us that then sort of opens more doors around you know is this something we'd be quite happy to roll out to the wider client base so it's a, a mix of both we've got our sort of um internal research department if you want to look at it that way we actually get a lot of really interesting stuff coming direct from our clients as well interesting stuff john have you got any any thoughts to uh share with nathan i just wonder uh, uh you know I'm, I'm looking at people in potential entrance for the next year um You've given us a lot about the process of, you know, managing the data, you know, managing the feedback and feeding it through to um, to the managers. Um, have you got any advice to other entrants about kind of how to join the dots and how to, you know, how to turn a hunch or turn an observe, turn a sort of service observation that, that's come to your team, you know, turning that into a a new service line or or an initiative that that improves things you know basically you know how can they connect the dots the way your your firm seems to have done so successfully I, I think the big thing for us is getting as much client feedback as possible you know it, it, it's certainly the most important part of our business if we don't have any clients then we don't really have a business and i think one thing and i know certainly i've, I've probably been sort of guilty of this personally myself in the past uh, is you can sometimes get a little bit laser focused sort of a bit too much of a belief in, in your idea of how brilliant it might be when in fact the most important bit of feedback you'll get will be from the client in terms of you know how useful or how valuable it might be to them so i would always just have that reminder no matter how good you think your idea is don't have the assumption that your clients are going to have that same opinion and i think then going from that it's back to that you know continual one percent improvements so um, you know, getting input from the team, um, you know, no ideas too silly, no ideas too small. Um, if it can make that 1% difference, then go for it because all of those 1% differences will soon add up. And it is, it's, you know, it, you're not just going to get to 
you know, a new service or a new product by doing a big jump overnight. Um, it's an iterative process. And that's what we sort of feel like staying at the forefront of the accountancy profession is. Um, it's not big leaps, you know, every every six to eight months. It's little iterative steps throughout the year, you know, never being comfortable, always looking for, for new ideas to improve. Nathan, final thought. Have, is there any challenges which are coming up or that have been perhaps that um, it could cause any hurdles for your drive for con- constant improvement? Good question. I think probably just trying to stay um, relevant, really, um, in this sort of new age of AI that seems to be um, fast approaching us um, like a runaway freight train. You know, there's a lot of talk now around chat GPT and how that can pretty much automate 80% of, of an accountant's job. You know, we're looking at a lot of interesting things where, you know, order, how many years has order got left before it gets fully automated? There's a lot of brilliant opportunities with the tech at the moment. I think the challenge is going to be where do we ultimately then fit in to that? Um, so while there's going to be a lot of time saving, we've got to remember that, you know, there is that human touch um, to the service. And I think, you know, it's certainly what, will hopefully <laughs> never ne- never be automated. Um, but it's just trying to, you know, utilize that technology now as much as possible without using that human element. And, you know, clients will quickly pick up on, you know, if we've just full, sort of fully automated a service. I think it's just getting that balance right will probably be the challenge that we'll be we'll be facing um, over the next couple of years. But an exciting challenge that I'm looking forward to uh, taking on. Well, a big thank you, Nathan, for sharing some of the secrets behind Blue Sky's success. Uh, some fascinating stuff there. And if you would like to enter the Accounting Excellence Awards, be sure to go to accountingexcellence.co.uk. And who knows, you could be like Blue Sky and picking up a trophy of your own. So be sure to enter the awards. Uh, but all that's left to say is big thank you, Nathan. Thank you, John. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, be sure to get all your news from the world of accounting on accountingweb.co.uk. Uh, but until next time, bye for now. <laughs>